while I'm sorting this out, you can help me with a sound test in there. Yeah, it's sounding okay. I'm Justin Eacock. Hello. I have... That's good, because my voice will be lower than yours. Yes, of course it will. Because I'm Justin Eacock. I talk like this all the time. <laughs> Let's try calling. Oh, His name is Jim, is... right? Space. The thing we have to cross. These are the voyages of the USS Horizon. Its ongoing mission to seek out new life, to swear it was on stun the whole time, and to boldly claim we can fix it. Hello there, terrible warrior listeners. Uh, we usually say terrible listeners, and I keep feeling bad about that whenever I say terrible listeners, and it's just a bad branding thing, I think, that we keep putting it down every time we say hello. I'm Justin Eacock, and we just wrapped up uh, the Star Trek Adventures arc SE-119, Convoy SE-119, and uh, I'm, I'm here in the studio with Josh. Joshua Barbo, actor who plays uh, Commander Haddock in the uh, in the game. Yeah. Is Josh too familiar? Should I be saying Joshua? I uh, uh, I, I prefer to go you? by Joshua. Joshua, but that's, no, that's uh, fine. That's fine. That's, that's cool. just my uh, idiosyncrasies. Yeah, no, I, I totally respect that, and it'll be billed as Joshua from now on. And uh, we uh, are doing something a little differently. We've done interviews on the show uh, with other developers from different uh, publishers, but we've never. Uh, I think, done uh, an interview with the writer of the game immediately after we've played it, which is kind of fun and uh, uh, neat and means we can get in without having to explain anything because chances are if you're listening to this on the Star Trek Adventures playlist, you've already sat through 12 hours <laughs> of Star Trek Adventures, so we don't need to catch you up to speed. And, and if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the campaign, spoilers, we're going to talk about it and we're going to get into the details of, of, of what happened in our story. So uh, if you don't mind that, then allow me to introduce to you our guest uh, t- for today's uh, mini episode. Uh, he's written for uh, developers like White Wolf and Decide. Cypher. He's been a freelance writer and and published under Star Trek uh, titles. Uh, uh, I know Josh has got some questions about those books coming up. And uh, and more recently, uh, joined on uh, Modiphius's writing team. Uh, he's helping to spearhead the uh, Living Campaign. He wrote Convoy SE One One Nine, which we just played. We uh, uh, are really happy to have you here, Jim Johnson. Thank you for joining the table here at the Terrible Warriors. Yeah, thank you so much for having me aboard. How did uh, you get with Modiphius? I know you've been a lifelong fan of Star Trek, so I guess catch us up to speed on how you got to being the guy we're talking to tonight. Uh, so basically, um, Jason Dural is the uh, line manager for the Conan game that Modiphius produces. So Jason and I go way, way back. We were both playtest coordinators and freelance writers on Decipher's Lord of the Rings role-playing game back in, uh, gosh, I guess it was 2001, 2002, somewhere right around there. And uh, so we, we met each other then and uh, and did a lot of work together uh, doing the playtest coordination and some freelance writing and uh, stayed in touch over the years after, you know, Decipher um, no longer did business and uh, moved on to different things. And uh, he was working on the Conan game. And when he found out that Modiphius uh, had secured the license to do the Star Trek role-playing game, he got in touch with me and said, hey, I know you love Star Trek, so get in touch with Modiphius and see what you can see if you can get involved. And uh, and just went from there. I got I got involved at the very very early stages of the Star Trek development, and uh, was able to to leverage my uh, my fairly extensive lifelong expertise with Star Trek, and uh, and my experience as a writer, you know, freelance writer, and uh, just uh, dove in with both feet basically. That is 
really cool and supremely exciting. Yeah, we've been doing Terrible Warriors for over five years now, and since we started, and since I came onto the show, I've wanted to play a Star Trek game. But of course, five years ago, there was no Star Trek role playing game. There was one. There that was, was but it wasn't very. And, and that's what I heard from everyone. It's just garbage, and it's, I I would yeah. see it up on the bookstore shelf, and and I wouldn't even go near it because so many friends had warned me away from it. And I had looked at what other systems we were playing that could work, maybe something like uh, the Fate system or something else out there that allowed you to write in because it's not just straight up a combat. You can't just do a combat simulator with Star Trek, and you can't just do Powered by the Apocalypse story only because there are some, you know, actual mechanics that have to work into a Star Trek game because of the technology. Uh, And then... And then right around the time where I was just going to give up and just homebrew my own on the show and just completely bash something together, uh, Modiphius announces the Star Trek Adventures game, and I'm just like, we're saved. We can play this. It's going to be great. <laughs> nice. we, the very first time we played the game on the show, uh, it was a campaign I wrote. Uh, uh, we played through it, and it was a, it was a mess. And then <laughs> from there, we jumped on to uh, playing along with the living campaign, few months delayed. And, uh, uh, and, and here we are uh, now just finishing uh, Convoy SE-119 with uh-huh. uh, our commander's uh, – Unorthodox way of handling a crippled Klingon ship. Yeah. Um, And uh, uh, it's one of the things I I wanted to ask you. You've written these games, and they've been out in the wild now. I don't know how long. Essie uh, has been out for since, I think, November was the release. Have you heard much feedback from that game? And what's it like having written a story where you don't have control over what happens once other people get their hands on it? Uh, let's see. All right. So uh, I think Convoy actually came out maybe in August or September. Um, I think a different one came out in November. I don't remember, though, because I don't have the release dates in front of me. But I think uh, Convoy has been out for a little while. Um, but uh, You're most likely correct. I don't know when I am half the time. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, I troll most of the Star Trek Adventures boards that are out there. There's a Google Plus group and a Reddit group and a couple of Facebook groups and uh, RPG.net. Uh, so I keep an eye, uh, you know, I keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on with, with Star Trek Adventures in the communities. And uh, I haven't gotten a huge amount of feedback yet, um, but this, the in general, the stuff I've heard about this particular adventure has been positive, which is, you know, always always nice to hear. There's been some negative comments, too, which is great, because that gives me some constructive feedback to build into the next one. I think one of the challenges, though, is that um, the, the Living Campaign is an ongoing story. So, like, a couple of the concerns I've heard about Convoy SE-119 is that if you, parts of it feel incomplete and there's some question marks that it leaves. And that's entirely intentional because there's a bigger story we're telling and, and we haven't revealed all the secrets yet. So, mm-hmm. as, as the, cam- the living campaign continues to grow, you'll start to see some of the pieces coming together. And, uh, and hopefully that'll allay some of the concerns that people have had about it. But, like I said, overall, the, the feedback has been really positive, which is great because I've been a, a Star Trek gamer for... 20, 26, 27 years, and uh, like you have had had challenges where we've had to create our own homebrew because there just weren't a lot of systems out there. We played FASA and we played Decipher and we played uh, the Last Unicorn games, and they were all good games, but uh, you know none of them really quite did what we wanted them to do. You know, there was always a little bit of uh, house ruling, you know, which I guess is true for most role-playing games. But uh, I tell you, when Modiphius came along and we started developing this rule set, I was really impressed with it. I think Nathan. Uh, Nathan uh, Dowdle did a fantastic job adapting the 2D20 system, so I got to just name drop him because he did. I think he did a fantastic job on this on the system. Um, but going to uh, going on to your question, uh, as a writer, so I write fiction and I also write uh, RPG material, 
And it's always great to write an RPG adventure and release it out to the wild because I love to I love to hear what players and GMs do to it and how they change <laughs> it and modify it. Because I know, you know, I've been a gamer long enough to know that any published adventure never survives contact with the players. Something's always going to be different. So if it yeah. doesn't go off the rails, then um, yeah. they just weren't having fun. Yeah, well, exactly. And I, and I love hearing people you know, who say, oh, you know, we did this and this and this and we went off in this direction. And I look at that and I'm like, well, that's awesome because I totally didn't intend that to happen. But I, I love that it did because that means that you guys are having fun with it and doing stuff and coming up with uh, solutions and options that, you know, I, one person can't come up with. You know, when you get a group of people together, it's always more dynamic than than one person sitting at the, at the computer. Oh, and as the rest of the crew is looking at Josh's, Joshua's character and, and his solutions in horror, uh, we'll probably have to deal with that in a court-martial in a follow-up <laughs> series. I, um, I beamed over to the Klingon ship, which was boarded by aliens, and yeah. uh, uh, I pulled an FTL and opened an airlock to, <laughs> to suck Everyone them into space. Everyone can go outside now. And, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, and, we're, and, and the captain's back on board our, our ship going... Oh, that's a lot of bodies. <laughs> let's uh, let's bring let's let's bring him back, and uh, <laughs> we'll sort this all back at the station. Um, I mean, to be fair, you were uh, in a in a do or die situation, and that was an extreme solution. But it's it's one of those fun things I found now um, playing three stories in in Star Trek Adventures. There is no given solution. Uh, when we're playing Shadowrun or D&D or, or uh, West End Star Wars, which we did a lot of uh, a few years ago, usually you, you come up to a place and the GM just says, roll this, or, or here's your, you know, this is what you're going to roll for your blaster, this is what you're going to do to lo- pick a lock, and it's, and it's always just a set move. Uh, whereas uh, I can say something as simple as a Klingon is standing in your way, and you have seven or eight or nine or ten or twelve options to you, depending on how you want to combine those stats. And it's, it's been really interesting as a GM to be able to just say, what do you want to do? Here's your problem, and, and, and let their characters decide their solution based on their own backgrounds. How does that work when you're writing a scenario that isn't going to have such a cut and dry, well, you just need to blow up this temple and it's going to be over? Yeah, well, I, you know, the, chal- the challenge is, uh, you know, especially for Star Trek, because we're trying to tell, you know, com- well, not, not so much for the living campaign, but in general, we're trying to tell a complete story so that any Star Trek adventures, uh, adventure is, feels like a Star Trek episode, right, where it has a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. kind of the traditional three-act structure. But what, what you have to do is you have to be, like, as a writer, you have to be flexible because you can't, you just put the players on a rail and, and go from beginning to end because then that's, you know, that, there's not a lot of fun in that necessarily because you're, you're, you don't want them to think that they don't have some agency in what they're doing. And, and so you kind of like... You have to write it in such a way that you're saying, okay, Game Master, here's kind of the suggested way that this should flow. But, you know, if, if your players do something crazy or something cool, then, you know, it's up to the GM to kind of change it and modify it and, and go and go with it. So, like, if they decide to blow up the Klingon ship and kill Captain Akul, well, you know what? Do it. <laughs> and, and tell us how you did it in the, uh, in the survey afterwards and, and have fun with it. Because ultimately, you know, the, the living campaign is... Is like our version, but every every game every every uh, game group out there is going to have their own kind of like alternate reality where they do their own thing, and uh, every living campaign is going to be a little bit different, which is which is great. Um, but yes, yeah, so as a writer, their own you really mirror have universe. To, <laughs> 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 old, it's like that Wharf episode with the million different 
parallel realities. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they're all they're all canon now in the in the in the Star Trek multiverse. Um, <laughs> yep, that's right. We went through a whole phase last year on on Terrible Warriors where we just basically played a Powered by Apocalypse games. Uh, all of these Powered by Apocalypse games, which are incredibly light on rules and very heavy on on pushing for story inputs from the players. This was after moving away from much more traditional RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons and Shadowrun, which are incredibly heavy on rules and simulating every bit of the combat. And Star Trek's Adventures has got this weird balance between allowing both of those. Sounds like from your own play history, you're more of the traditional RPG background, like most of us. Uh, where, where, what do you think of those story-based RPGs and you know how the role-playing community is is uh, pivoting between these two styles of gameplay right now? Uh, well, I, I will say that uh, I, I'm actually more of a narrativist uh, gamer than a simulationist. Um, I, you know, I like I like D and D, and I like playing I like playing it and uh, and doing the 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 grind and the combat and the XP gathering and all that stuff. But uh, um, I, I really prefer more storytelling oriented games. What what I don't love so much are the games that really kind of push the players into coming up with something creative because not all players are 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 improv actors necessarily and they can't always come up with stuff on the top of the off the top of their head. Um, so I like I like games like uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars game where the the narrative dice kind of help you along. Um, and also uh, Pendragon. I, I played a lot of Pendragon and love it because the the Pendragon characters have have a set of traits and and sometimes. Uh, you know, if something comes up that your character rolls on a trait and they might do something that you don't want them to do just because their character, the, the nature of their character is, is such that, uh, um, you know, they, they want, may not be heroic if they, if there's something coming up. Right. So I, I love having some storytelling elements to the mechanics, uh, that, that really help me do more role playing and storytelling than actually just like rolling dice and, and bashing away at stuff. And, uh, I found that the Star Trek game, Really, you can do both, or you can do either, with it pretty well. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest; I don't use all the rules in the Star Trek Adventures uh, rule set because I'm really more focused on the narrative and the storytelling, and and, and don't really want to get into the weeds sometimes yeah. during a game <laughs> session that I'm, I'm running or, or even playing. In, so, in our game, uh, I think the only time these guys got any hit point damage or stress damage was at the beginning when they went to the Klingon bar on the render uh-huh. station and they <laughs> were dared to drink some fire wine as like some hazing ritual. That's the only time right. they took any damage was, well, you took it. So roll a bunch of effect dice and just that's, you, you, sure. you, you've just poured down molten sugar basically down your throats. But the Klingons respect you now. Uh, but when we actually got into the combat, part of it is the, the podcast is only an hour per episode. So yeah. we're playing a lot more fast and loose with the rules. So those mm-hmm. those pirate ships were just popping out of the sky like popcorn. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't worried too much about the exact damage that was going on. That made it that made it more fun but exactly, too. Exactly, like right? You, you don't want it to be Also these down. jokers picked a galaxy class ship. So it, it, they they get to have that kind of overpower in a scene like that. And mm-hmm. um, I always find the collaborative story playing more rewarding at the end when we can all laugh about what just happened, but um, we've played Pendragon and I know exactly what you're talking about with uh, those instant conflicts that come out of uh, the different attributes that the players start off with. Uh, yep. And uh, we played uh, we played Star Wars just uh, last December um, with uh, our Papers, Please, Empires game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it got real dark. But same deal, if you're not an improv actor, um, you can just look at the dice for prompts. Some um, games also really uh, help that along. Like we played Our Last Best Hope, which I 
found really helped uh, generate story with those cards that you give out at the start of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, Our Last Best Hope, we're, we're playing that next month, and it's uh, there's almost no dice except at the end of any scene, and, and it's very much, you play out a whole scene. It's uh, from the same people who made Questlandia and Norlandia. And, but Star Trek Adventures, we just keep coming back to it. We're committed now. We've got our crew. We've, we've started this story arc, and, and we have to see really what happens to uh, Haddock's career. I, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's done. I, I think you're done. You're, you're going to be demoted to the lieutenant with this kind of attitude. Well, we'll so. see. We'll see. <laughs> One of the interesting bits uh, that I was reading about, and I saw you, you sent out a tweet. Star Trek was famous as a TV show with, the, with even the original series, I believe, up to Next Generation and, and uh, I think up to the end of Enterprise. They would take open solicitations for scripts. You could send in screenplays to Star Trek, and there's a handful of great examples, like Measure of a Man was one of those that was just handed in by an L.A. lawyer who put it in, and there was a writer's strike that year, and they're like, well, we'll take this script, we'll make a show out of it. And one of the best episodes of Star Trek came out of that. And in the grand tradition of unsolicited script submissions, I understand Modiphius is keeping that up with Star Trek Adventures in terms of submitting and pitching ideas for, uh, for future stories. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the scripts uh, for a while with uh, Next Gen and DS9, and I think even Voyager for a while, they had an open policy where they, they would take uh, pitches from fans. And I think even uh, I think uh, Ronald D. Moore got his start that way, too. I think, I think he pitched a, a spec script and then got in as a, as a writer, and then, of course, his career you know, continued on. But uh, uh, for a while there, uh, Simon & Schuster, uh, the pocketbooks, um, the, the, they have the license to do uh, Star Trek fiction. For 10 mm-hmm. years, they ran a, 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 contest, a short story contest called Strange New Worlds, where they were taking uh, open solicitations from uh, fans all around the country to submit a professional quality uh, short story and you know a, a panel of judges would judge it and uh, get uh, the the best op- the best stories would get you know published in an anthology and actually I think they just did that again last year too for the 50th anniversary but uh, yeah so in, in that tradition um uh, has an open call for adventure pitches so anybody who wants to write an adventure for Star Trek Adventures and uh, you know for Star Trek can can send pitches to me and you know if they're if they're workable I'll commission it and it'll we'll work on it and make it a, a standalone adventure and I, I did some research with my friends in the Star Trek writing world and I, I'm pretty confident I'm not 100 percent sure but I'm pretty confident that Modiphius is the only Star Trek licensor right now that is accepting unsolicited pitches from writers where you don't need an agent, like all the nonfiction yeah. and the fiction, you need an agent really to kind of get in the door. And uh, Modiphius is open to anybody and everyone who wants to to pitch an a pitch an idea to us. Actually, that's uh, that's a good segue to a question that I had for you. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm I'm aware that uh, there's a lot of Pocketbooks owns the the rights to doing Star Trek fiction in like novels and stuff, and Modiphius owns the rights for the for the role playing game. Uh, I know with pocketbooks, they have a long list of things that your Star Trek story cannot be if you're interested in submitting for them. Does uh, and I know this because I, I I'm writing a Star Trek novel, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, <laughs> look um, at you. I was wondering if Modiphius has a similar list of uh, of things that okay, if you're writing a Star Trek adventures game, do you have uh, limitations on what you can write about? Mm, no, not that I'm aware of. Uh, so Sam Sam Webb is the line manager, and uh, and I'm his. You know, like if, he, if he's the captain, I'm the I'm the executive officer. I haven't heard anybody say anything of, of things that we can or can't do. Uh, we don't have a license to do anything with Star Trek Discovery yet, mostly because it's too new, and they haven't released a RPG license for it yet, as far as I know. 
Uh, that's just speculation, but I'm pretty confident that's where it is. Um, but pretty much anything goes. I mean, we're we're in pretty regular contact with the CBS studios uh, folks that approve our manuscripts. And to the best of my knowledge, we haven't had anything kicked back to say, no, you can't do this or no, you shouldn't do this. And I think part of that is because everybody who's working on the game really knows Star Trek and and knows, you know, kind of gets the concept. And we're not going to pitch some crazy idea about like all the all the senior staff getting high on drugs and and going <laughs> going to do something terrible. Right. I mean, it's just, if, you, if you know Star Trek, you know what you can get away with and what you can't get away with for the most part. And uh, I think uh, CBS trusts us to not, you know, make a horrible black mark on the on their intellectual property. Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, as far as I know, we don't have any restrictions. Uh, for, uh, to that end, though, we're not really focusing on any of the canon characters, right? We're creating adventures for for the players and the game masters to bring their own characters and ships into the into the universe. So um, I think if there was potential of us stepping on toes, I'm sure CBS would let us know. But uh, so far, we haven't had any issues with that. Well, I mean, now I just want to make our own Deep Space Deadline canon, don't I? So the, yes, uh, of course. Uh, I actually really love that uh, you said it in the year that you did. Uh, every time I tell my friends about this game, uh, they're immediately either uh, original series or next generation. They immediately pick a camp. And, uh, and they've got to know, well, when is it happening? Is it happening after Voyager? Is it happening before the next generation? And I said, oh, 2371. We got the exact year there. And, uh, and it's a really cool time for telling stories it's after the enterprise we we had the enterprise d crash in our first adventure because it happens roughly at the like right in that year and i had been teasing them through the whole game if anything gets into trouble you can always call the enterprise for help and they were ever (laughs) going to do that it would be like the enterprise is a little busy right now crashing into whatever nimbus three it was it wasn't nimbus three it was like armagosa station was where it started and where did it end what was the planet that they crashed on uh, yeah, it, I, to memory alpha. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, the whole point was, uh, yeah. oh, you're looking for the Enterprise? Well, that's funny, because Starfleet Command is asking for all ships to immediately fly to help the Enterprise, who's just right. crashed on a planet. Um, and so now we're in this point where uh, there's no flagship of the, of, of the Federation. Uh, Voyager has gone missing, and no one knows what's going on there. And Deep Space Nine is in a weird, are we about to go into war? So there's this real tension uh, yeah. Uh, surrounding everything that's going on and 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 the, like our crew and, and in these stories and I've even picked up on it in in the convoy episode and uh, and and just the whole idea of this joint task force to try and hold whatever piece we have together it, it, it's great for telling a nice rich role-playing game uh, where you know this is our chance to rise up and if we really blow the socks off of command we could be the next you know, big stars, because all the other stars are either too busy dealing with the wormhole, or they currently don't have a ship right now, and Worf is looking for a job. And, <laughs> and, and we're right here at the moment to stand in a spotlight. I mean, am I following the right train of thought here, where that's the year we've picked for a reason? Yeah, man, you're, you're right on. And uh, so, so we set that up because, it, there's, like you said, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the next gen era. And uh, the Living Campaign, the, the TNG part of the Living Campaign starts right there in 2371. And uh, what I love about it is, is because I love DS9 so much as a TV series and a storytelling you know, venue that the Living Campaign is, is really tied right into that because we are, we are carrying – the Living Campaign you know, is advancing in timeline from, from adventure to adventure – 
so we are tying in elements from of things that happened in DS9 and Voyager and Next Gen and the movies and stuff, and we're able to tie all that into the ongoing campaign. And you're going to start seeing more references. Like there was, I threw in a couple of references into into Convoy about uh, Vedic Brial getting killed yeah, and the, uh, the Cardassians and the Bajorans signing a, a, a peace treaty. That worked out so well for us. And yeah. Obviously, there's no reason you would ever know this. Uh, our uh, our science officer was a Bajoran who, in the lifespan creation process, had a religious background. One of his his father is like real close with. Uh, whatever their Vedics would have been on their refugee world. And so <laughs> he couldn't make it to our recording when we did Convoy. And there is Vedic Baral just like, oh, well, he's a uh, period of mourning. He's had to go off to Bajor <laughs> yeah. to be with his yeah. family for this mourning period. And right. now there's all this other suspicion of, like, what the hell's going to happen to all of the Bajorans who are enlisted in Starfleet now that they've signed this peace treaty? Um, right. And our Bajoran isn't there for that story. Uh, and th- that was just a fluke of schedules, but it worked out really well. And, and it warms my nerdy heart to see these star dates and be able to know exactly, like, anchored somewhere in that timeline, but so far removed from it out in the Shackleton expanse that we're able to, you know, stretch our legs and, and, and have a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's all, it's all completely intentional. So you're going to see a lot more canon references dropping into the living campaign. Um, but you're also going to see the meta plot that we're developing in the living campaign start to rear its head in, in the upcoming adventures because we want to make sure that the, the players that are in the Shackleton Expanse stay there and that they're involved in their own big storyline. So while you've got Cisco and you know everybody on DS9 is around the wormhole dealing with the Dominion um, incursion, and then you've got, the, you know, you got the next gen crew kind of chilling out until the uh, Sovereign class is finished, um, you know, this is a chance for the players and the GMs to really shine and create their own mark on the universe in the Shackleton expanse. And, uh, and that's really, I, I just, I love working on it because we can, we can tie in all that canon stuff and, and, uh, drop in all the nerdy references that, that, um, you know, fans like us just eat up when, when we see it in a, uh, in a product. Well, you can see it on the map. You've, you've intentionally set us on the exact opposite side of the map from where <laughs> all the TV action is happening. So we would have to go way out of our way to cross paths with something we've seen on screen. Yeah, it's really cool because even though we're so far removed, uh, the the ripples yeah, of the what's politics. happening over there is affecting us over here, and and you like of, to think that the ripples of what we're doing is affecting yeah, them. Yeah, well, I got the sense of like there's this dread doom where we know in a way inevitably war is going to come, and and we're all trying to stop it from happening, but it's like putting our fingers into a dam that's already broken, and yeah. uh, as players who are fans of Star Trek, which at our table, not everyone is. Our captain... I'm the biggest Star Trek fan. <laughs> the guy I made our captain has never watched Star Trek before at all. So he's constantly like having to refer to the computer going, computer, what is the prime directive? Can I, <laughs> can I torture this prisoner? No? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and yet, as a, as a GM, I know we're heading in that direction, but as characters, we're all hoping that, well, if we do a real good job with the Klingons here, this might all be worth it and we can stop this from happening. And, and it's, it's, it's a lot of... It's 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 really ugh, I just I'm loving it. it I, I can't I I, I, I this reason why we keep coming back to play it and and I and to listeners who aren't fans of Star Trek you can just stuff it because this <laughs> is one of the best experiences I've had on the podcast in five years of running it is this like story where we've got these characters that we've created that we're playing in a world that everyone else is enjoying and it's ah oh, it's just so good. How long does it take you to write these adventures and how much longer from when you write them do they actually see release? Uh, so the, the living campaign adventures are a little bit different than the standalone adventures I'm also responsible for. So the living campaign adventures, um, 
I mean, like for me as a writer, it only took me, I think, like two and a half weeks to outline and write uh, Convoy SE-119. Uh, some of the other writers that are in the in the stable, they work about the same speed, maybe a little faster. Uh, like Aaron uh, Aaron Pelea, who wrote uh, Tug of War, he writes like really quick, which is awesome. But uh, it usually takes uh, about a month to write it, edit it, and then we have to send it off to CBS for approvals, which takes anywhere from a couple weeks to a month, depending on how busy they are, because they you know they're in charge of everything Star Trek, not just right. the not just the uh, RPG. Um, and then it goes into into layout and and then it's delivered. So it, there's a there's a bit of a lag. Uh, we are we are trying to get more speedy on our releases. I, I think originally we had wanted to do once a month, but just the reality of production uh, slowed that down a little bit. So I think for season two, uh, we're going to try to do uh, really more regular releases and be on top of it. But uh, I say there's like you know it probably takes about two two to three months to to develop it and then get it out the door. Um, but the, the the writing team are uh, constantly behind the scenes on our uh, on our chat group talking about uh, plot lines and stories and NPCs and things that we can do and how things are all going to fall together. Because because I, I don't know if you know, but the, the living campaign there's actually two two campaigns. Yes, there's a TNG that was my next question actually and a uh, original that. original series side, and we're trying to run them kind of concurrently, and uh, and so we're we're kind of cross pollinating storylines and story ideas and stuff. So we're trying to keep them both. Moving ahead at the same speed. Yeah, and that that uh, that I mean that's a whole nother like like you're not even doing 3D chess, you're doing 4D chess at this point. Um, yeah. I, I've been trying to convince our listeners. Uh, we got a Discord channel where they all hang out. We had to create a Star Trek quarantine zone because, as you know, when Star Trek fans start talking Star Trek, it drowns out everything else in the general chat. So we <laughs> we, we had to create a little corner where we could just go and, and vent out. And I've been trying to get them to board the Lexington and play through the 23rd century campaign because we're going to stick with the USS Horizon in the 24th century and, and, and play through it. Season 2 confirmed we're never going to stop playing this game. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'd love if uh, you, listener, go play that 23rd century thread. Tell us about it. I will work it into our game uh, and it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Tell me about um, These Are the Voyages, the standalone book uh, that, that you helped put together uh, and, and what you could expect if that's living campaigns too complicated, you don't want to do it, you don't want to sign up to a mailing list, you just want to buy a book and play games with your friends. What's the uh, uh, These Are the Voyages like? Uh, so these are the voyages. That is a the the intention from the beginning of the game was to have an adventure book release at the same time as the the core rule book, so that GMs and players had something that they could just start playing right away. And so there are eight standalone adventures in these are the voyages. Um, those eight adventures are each about uh, ten nine ten thousand words long. So that means you know they're probably like five six hours of gameplay depending on your group. Um, they can all be played independently of each other, or you could probably string them together into a campaign if you wanted to. Some of them are specifically written to certain eras, but all of them include sidebars that talk about how you can adapt it for use in different eras. Like if you're playing an Enterprise campaign or a original series campaign or a next-gen campaign, you can adapt all eight adventures into whatever era you're playing in. Uh, for any ship, any crew, you know, all that's uh, agnostic. And um, you just there's like there's eight really cool adventures in there, uh, running the gamut from uh, uh, investigating a, a missing Federation ship to uh, um, looking for a, a planet uh, of a, with a forest and uh, alien bugs and alien robots. I mean, just all kinds of cool Star Trek science fiction stuff in there. Really, really cool stuff. And uh, that is the uh, first of several volumes of missions. And uh, also, there will also be standalone uh, adventures released as PDFs. So you're going to see a, a, a big range of uh, standalone adventures coming out in the coming uh, coming months and years. That's really relaxing for me because, as I mentioned, yeah. when we started, because when, uh, when we started, all I had was the PDF 
of of the of the pre-release of the game, and uh, and so I was like, I'm gonna write my own game. I, I've been doing Terrible Wars for five years. I've done a <laughs> bunch of these games. I hell, I, when we're doing Powered by Apocalypse, I'm improvising them. So I mean, how hard could writing a Star Trek adventure be? And ah, it's it, it's not just as simple as go on a quest. It, it because no, there's as you, more to it. Than as that. soon as you find out from the lifespan creator, these are the characters about the characters, and all of the missions have to be about the characters. And then when you start getting into it, I how many hours did I spend on Memory Alpha making sure I wasn't using a name that was used somewhere else and getting my star or dates EPS right. Conduit. And oh, <laughs> let me tell you, Jim, um back on our Discord channel, someone had a bone to pick with the person who wrote Convoy SE119. Uh, because I read directly from the script, uh, and 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 I realized after I said it that it sounded wrong. When we got uh-huh. hit with the electromagnetic wave, and we're dropped out into the trap, and everyone's crippled, and the pirates have yet to attack, and we're going to do some science. I mentioned the ODN conduit had popped, and you know, uh, and uh, I think a bunch of other like inertial dampers went down, and people went flying. But someone picked up on ODN. ODN conduits? No, there are only ODN relays, and they're really just on Deep Space Nine, and you were meaning the EPS conduits, sir. And <laughs> he picked it apart, I was, and I went back, where the hell did I say that? I read it. Oh, I just read that right from Jim Johnson's own words. And, and I had to find the memory alpha page on ODN conduits. Oh, that's how they, it's a relay to communicate with the bridge and the Enterprise, and it's really like one of them, and it wouldn't explode Maybe I don't know. There are sorts of there are a relay of communication, not a power wire. And uh. what, have you? How? What are your thoughts on Star Trek Techno Babble? <laughs> uh, we we do the best we can, and uh, we have a Canon editor who helps us out, and we have CBS approvals. So if we get something wrong, we can always do- dodge it and say, you know what, CBS approved it, so let it go. <laughs> a lot of eyes looked at it before it got out, I and they stand, all passed. <laughs> I stand by that ODN conduits exploding from an electromagnetic burst still makes sense to me. Uh, it, and, and I mentioned that we had lost contact with engineering. So in the end, I was... In reverse, correct. But yeah, it was one of those things. I had thrown in a fake orb of the prophets that ended up being a bomb set by Romulans, which is like I hit all the wrong. I had Romulans as my bad guy, which is, you know, a, a cop-out. And I throw in an orb, which is a cop-out. And we're running off to Deep Space Nine, which is another cop-out. But it was a lot of fun. And... Uh, uh, but I had I, I spent forever going through all the canon of the names of the orbs and how many there were because I knew if we were going to play this game that there would be that one listener who'd be like, well, there's actually only 12 orbs if count not the 13th one and they're all named this and this and you can't name it that because that was already found in this episode. So I had to come up with a cool orb name that didn't exist in any of the novels or the TV shows. And anyway, it's easy to stress out about. So kudos to you who seems to – you did Convoy and – Two weeks, which is less <laughs> yeah. less time than I spent on 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 our on our on our pilot. If I'm going to call it. That. <laughs> um, we're we're behind on schedule intentionally, so because one, I'm real lazy, and it takes a while to get this show out, and two, I didn't want to spoil things for people who actually are playing along with the living campaigns. So we're playing like I almost now six months removed from the releases. Um, uh-huh. We're about to go into tug of war, the one right after Convoy SE one one nine. And okay. can you tease Joshua here on? Like where some of the things that are going to be happening to uh, our, our, our intrepid Commander Haddock, who may or may not be a war criminal at this point. It's the, 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 <laughs> he did what he had to do to save the crew of the the Mapool. Yeah, yeah, he did what he had to save most. I mean, you saved to the save captain. some of them. I, th- I saved the captain. I think you saved a handful and a and a few other officers. <laughs> 
warning. Give me two seconds because I, I got to oh, I got to pull it up because honestly, we we You've did got we, a million we, stories we, we released Tug of War I think back in September. Yeah, and and that's an eternity in all the stuff that I've been working on for for Star Trek Adventures. And so I'm I'm just scanning it here really quick. It's not there. There's a little bit of reference to the to the growing meta plot. Oh, you're gonna have fun with this one. It, 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 now, of course, whatever happens with your with your character in terms of a court martial or whatever, hopefully he hangs around the ship long enough to uh, to get into this one. So basically, this is uh, um, this is gonna be a real challenge for your for your crew, and particularly, do you have a uh, do you have a chief engineer yes, uh, player we do. character? We do when when his schedule allows it, but he he is down there. Uh, we just haven't had him in studio for a couple episodes. He you're gonna there. you're gonna want the chief engineer to warm up their dice. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, Steve, you better get ready, man. Uh, and, I, and I hope those uh, those synthetic eyes of yours uh, come in handy. There you go. Uh, well, all right. Cool. Okay. So, engineering problems so, abound. Jim, thank you so much for spending time with us and and, and letting us know. Uh, uh, for for what we did in in your campaign, I am truly sorry. Uh, we started. <laughs> I think we we named it colloquially. Blood, bath, and beyond. Blood, bath, and beyond. <laughs> That's what we started awesome. calling it. And, uh, but uh, uh, I think at the end, uh, with the exception of the commander, our crew behaved exemplary. Uh, yeah. They, 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 I still argue the commander behaved exemplary, but yeah, he had to make some tough choices. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. And um, uh, we're really looking forward to the rest of the living campaign. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, with uh, with the two more uh, games that are out that we're going to be playing and uh, whatever happens next and, and whatever weird stuff like our court martial that I'll be writing for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Trek does good courtroom it drama. It really does. It does. Uh, yeah. Jim, if someone is interested in submitting adventures to this open-door policy that Modifius has, where can they go to submit that? And the other thing I wanted to ask is, uh, uh, while you're on the air, do you have anything... Other than the obvious that you want to plug something you're working on or writing that's coming out soon? To pitch uh, adventure ideas to me, just send me an email at jim at modifius.com. That's M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S.com. Um, you can just send an email, say, hey, I heard you on this podcast and I want to pitch adventures. Let me know what I need because I can send you the writer's guide and a sample pitch and just all the other information that you need. Um, I'm also on Twitter at scribe and Eddie, S-C-R-I-B-E-I-N-E-T-I. Uh, websites www.scribenetti.com. I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm on all the. If you're the links in, are in the show notes. I'll, I'll fill them up. All the links there of of, of your uh, website and where people can find you on Twitter and Facebook and uh, yeah, and, and the email. But yeah, email, email me and I'll send you all the deets on uh, on how to submit. And then uh, as far as plugging, um, I've got some fiction I'm working on. Nothing I want to plug, but I will say that uh, Star Trek. We're going to be. Uh, we got the command source book that I was the lead writer on. And then the Beta Quadrant Sourcebook. Those are both coming out in the next couple months for uh, pre-order. So uh, get ready to uh, enjoy those. Commander Haddock can keep his command shirt until that book comes (laughs) out. He can actually use the new moves that come into it. Yes. Uh, One of the most beautiful uh, rule books I've ever held in my hands uh, with the the black background. I freaking love it. Uh, It looks like the Elkars. Uh, All the in-world lore that's just peppered through. It's like the first... 70 pages are entirely in character before you even get into the rules. It's all like, let me catch up, Captain. It's one yep. of the, uh, the the best written, immersive, fun. If you're not even a Star Trek fan, like our dear Captain Connell, not Commander Connell Haddock, but Connell Macbeth, Commander Captain Schofield, <laughs> our, Joshua decided to name his 
player after the name of one of our players. So it makes everything wonderful. It was um, with a K, though. With it's a different. K. It's completely different on an audio yeah. podcast. And uh, It was one of the suggested names given uh, right for Betazoids. <laughs> and, uh, but if you're not a fan of Star Trek uh, and you don't really know much about the world, but you got friends who are... This book is going to, like, it's, it's a great crash course, not just in reading the history. Like, you can go to Memory Alpha, but it, it reads like a wiki page because it is. And it's, yeah. it's, it's cold and academic, and, and, and it's just the information. But the, the rule book here for Star Trek Adventures, it captured the spirit as well. Like, it's not just talking yeah. about the prime directive, but it's then getting into logs from captains debating about how horrible it is to really uphold it some days. And, and the Ferengis making fun of them for having all this stuff. And, and it really really captures all the different motivations and spirit and, and the, the, the discovery that goes into uh, uh, the Star Trek world. And, and, I mean, even as a fan... We're all very impressed. Uh, even as someone who's, all... I, 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 I mean, I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't watching Star Trek. Going into this rule book, it was, it was like being coming home all over again. It was, it was mm. really, really a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Well, great. I, I'm so I'm so glad to hear you're enjoying it because really, the, for me personally, this has been 26 years in the making, and I know a lot of the other guys on or a lot of the other people on the uh, development team, right? They're lifelong Star Trek fans trying to develop the you know the the best RPG we can, and uh, especially the best Star Trek RPG we can because I know it's been a long time since since one's been out. I know Decipher's game came out like 15 years ago, yeah. and it's been a long been a long drop for Star Trek gamers, so we're we're doing the best we can with it. And it's 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 a it's an interesting when you see a licensed product come out, uh, and and you know this has changed recently. But there was a time where something that had a license attached to it. We played the Sailor Moon game that was printed <laughs> in the nineties. It's awful, uh, and you see that and you go, oh no, I really want to play a Star Trek game, but oh, it might just be a, just a, a, another game that they just painted Star Trek all over it. Um, and, yeah. and but when we sat down to play Adventures, it was the best case scenario. It was Star Trek. We we have a our captain who's never watched Star Trek, who's playing a character, but through the rules and the prompts and 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 the creation of his character. He gets it. He understands it, and 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 we're having to work together and solve problems that are unsolvable. And it really has been um, now three stories in a row. Every time felt like a Star Trek show. It did, uh, yeah. And uh, and and that I mean that comes down to your writing. It comes down to the people who made the mechanics and the whole. Perhaps except and- for the one moment where I blew out an airlock because that felt more like FTL. But <laughs> I'm trying to think though. You know, of all the characters in Star Trek. The person that Haddock might really get along with is Janeway, because she would have blown out the airlock to save her crew if she had people who had boarded the a Voyager, and they're coming down. Yeah, and she's pretty bad. You got a bunch <laughs> of pirates coming down her hallway, and you know she's all alone, and her crew is back in the cargo bay. She'd hit that button and vent them into space. Ship. Yeah, yeah, you know she what? absolutely would. She's made decisions like that. <laughs> she has. Yeah, to get her crew so, home, she's had to. So, <laughs> like, you're just you're just not in that desperate of a place. You just no. you, you got a brand anyway. Yeah, the Shackleton Expanse is pretty desperate. Anyway, a debate for another debate. Yes, uh, Jim Johnson, uh, thank you so much for your time um, and and for your overtime. You stuck around a little longer than I asked. I really do appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, lo- would love to come back and chat anytime about the Living Campaign or other parts of Star Trek or whatever. So. Uh, Thanks again. Thanks for supporting the game, and uh, thanks for getting it. I, I, I'm so glad to hear fans actually get what we're trying to do and really enjoying it. So that is the most important takeaway for me is that it sounds like we tried to make a good Trek game, and mission accomplished. 
Yeah, if it wasn't for bloodthirsty commanders, it would be completely authentic. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for spending time with us, terrible listeners. I have been Justin Eacock, and I've been joined here by my side with... Joshua Barbo. Joshua Barbo. I'm sorry for ever calling you Josh. I don't think I've ever <laughs> said Josh in the credits. I think I just say that here when I'm around the table because... I normally, so, normally so I, uh, I say my own name because you let your players uh, introduce and... Uh, out themselves. Yeah, mostly so. because I've, I've forgotten everyone at the table by the beginning because <laughs> I'm, I'm so afraid half the time. This entire show has run off of adrenaline. Convoy SE 119 is over. Uh, Patreon supporters, you can head over to our Patreon page where you can listen to the debrief on this episode. But you got a bonus interview with the guy who wrote it. That was really cool. And next week is Our Last Best Hope. Uh, a game about saving humanity from the brink of destruction. And we are your last best hope. And in fact, that is a game that had no GM. So we we were all in it. And, uh, it, and in fact, if you oh, enjoyed God, uh, some of uh, Connell Haddock's antics in this adventure, I dare say you will also enjoy... By. Our last best hope. Yeah, we had it was me and, and Joshua and uh, Bree and Adam and Brent, also from Star Trek Adventures, uh, uh, who uh, who we all played and were. Um, well, well, you know what? We'll, we'll save it for next week because I can't even pitch what the show was because we created it on the spot I in can. the first episode. There's going to be even more venting people into space. Oh no! Spoilers. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Terrible Warriors. Be good to each other. <laughs>